Welcome to episode two of Podventure Time. I'm Pat. And I'm Ben. And uh, we are back to recount the first two episodes of Adventure Time. Ben, why don't you fill folks in uh, as a little reminder of what exactly we're doing here? Ah, sure. So what we are doing here is we are conducting an experiment among friends, uh, I would say. What we are doing is... Pat is a huge fan of Adventure Time and has told me, his friend, about the show and said, you know, hey, you should uh, you should check this show out. So, like, I'm sure some many of your friends have told you about other shows. So I am undertaking watching the show episode by episode. And what we're going to do is uh, I'll watch two episodes at a time and then we'll come back here to the podcast, talk about those two episodes and we'll find out, A, if I like it. B, if uh, we have disagreeing opinions about an episode, and C, if we remain friends at the end of this. <laughs> that sounds about right. So let's jump right in. Season 1, Episode 1, the series debut of Adventure Time is called Slumber Party Panic. And uh, Ben, as a first-time viewer, I'll let you start out describing what exactly happens in this episode, and maybe you can throw in your thoughts whenever you think they're appropriate. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, this is the first time I had ever watched Adventure Time. I, and I will say I had never even seen more than maybe a promo for the show. So I came into this only with the knowledge of that Pat had uh, had given me in the first episode of the podcast. And so the first episode of Adventure Time introduces us to the main characters, uh, which are Finn and Jake. Finn's a human, Jake's a dog, somewhat in the style of uh, Sherman and Mr. Peabody of cartoons old, but it's completely different from that for sure. Um, so Finn lives in a world that I can't quite describe properly other than to say that he lives in a land that there is a princess and she rules over a land of sugar based creatures like donuts and things and the whole episode revolved around it jumped right into the princess trying to revive dead sugar creatures with some sort of potion um, and there was no preamble to that at all. It just went right for it. Um, and after that, the, the serum goes horribly awry and she ends up creating zombies that will try to eat the other sugar people. So in order to keep the other alive sugar people safe, they herd them all into the princess's castle under the auspices of having a giant countrywide slumber party and bar the doors and they have to keep the zombies at bay and uh what ends up happening is the stakes continue to rise as the zombies get closer finn is tasked with uh keeping the zombies at bay but also keeping the townspeople from knowing that there even are zombies because there's an added uh added dilemma that if the townspeople get scared they explode and then uh 
he manages to do so and and then at the at the end somehow he oh he breaks a promise that's what it is right he breaks yes he does a royal he, promise right he had made a royal promise to the princess that he would keep the secret of the zombies a secret and he manages to do so all the way through killing the zombies and then at the end he kind of says he his friend Jake the dog finally sees the zombies and says holy cow holy cow what's going on and he goes yeah there were zombies and that breaks the royal promise which i found to be a bit of a uh, a technicality on the on the part of the royal secret keepers now now i've i've thought of that as well and actually uh upon further viewing you notice that when bubblegum says and this is Princess Bubblegum, by the way. We we talked right, about that's her, her name. last time. Princess Bubblegum picked her up. So yeah. at the at the beginning, when she makes him agree to the promise, she says, "Never, ever, ever." And so she doesn't say like, "Don't tell about the zombies until it won't matter that the uh, if the candy people know about them." She says, "Ever." So she kind of gets around that, or the mm. uh, the Gumball Guardians anyway, the keepers of the promise have a good have a good technical argument for why he did in fact break the promise. All right. So he breaks this promise. And at that point he becomes subject to a tribunal of sorts. Two giant gumball people come out of nowhere, scoop him up into the sky and are going to hold him accountable for breaking a, a, a Royal promise. And what was the state? What what was gonna be? They were gonna were they gonna so first kill him? Uh, I can't remember now. First, because he had uh, broken the royal promise, he would face trial by fire. Uh, but it was some comically large like blast of flame that he obviously would not have been able to survive. Right. It was a trial by fire. But then Princess or, Bubblegum then the, intercedes. Th- is that what happened? Okay. So she intercedes and says, uh, "Well." What about something else? Does she just say like? And yeah, then they well, choose she it. says I care yeah. about him or something to that effect. Okay, and cares about him. So they say, okay, instead of trial by fire, we'll give you a trial by math problem. And he, it starts out as a super complicated math problem, and then they go, wait, 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 no, 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 we've got a better math problem. It ends up being two plus two, and he narrowly gets it right, and then he, so he gets it right which then releases him from his uh, his fate and restores order and the gumball uh, the gumball guardians have to go away basically peace restored to the land and added bonus princess bubblegum uh, fixes her death serum her life serum i suppose Lazar- lazarus potion of sorts and uh, and is able it's, to sorry to interrupt you it's the oh. decorpsinator serum the decorpsinator, yeah, okay, decorpsinator, right. The decorpsinator serum is uh, is actually functional now, and she can bring uh, all of the dead sugar people back to life, but only in the state they were, like, right before death, I noticed. Like, brought back, there was, like, a grandma that was brought back, and it was brought back, like, as a grandma, like, right before. Right. Which, so I'm not sure, like, how helpful the serum is in that regard, like, if they're just going to die again, like, almost instantaneously. It wasn't really explained. It's, it's sort of the, they're back now, and everyone's happy to see them. But it was uh, so. Then you know, at the end, everyone's everyone has a great uh, had a great time for the most part. It was a good slumber party. 
I, I should say so. Do you remember yeah. any of the games that they got to play? Um, let me think here. So there was uh, the only one I remember is that they were going to play some sort of pinata game, which freaked out the living pinata in the room. <laughs> Manfred, yeah, yeah. There was a living talking pinata in the room, and they they were going to play. Oh, that's yeah. The the premise or the the way that Finn got the the group to fight zombies was he blindfolded them all, and because remember they they can't see the zombies or they'll freak out and explode. So he blindfolds them all and tells them to play whack the pinata essentially and the pinatas happen to end up, end up being zombies but they don't know that because they've got blindfolds on that's right. that was the game i remember that game they also played play, oh they played so- okay so they played blockado the game of barricades uh that's right. finn's first attempt to keep out the zombies is is convincing the townspeople to the candy people to uh block all of the doors and windows with pieces of yeah. furniture yeah all right, so so let's get to let's get to some nitty gritty here. I was weirded out by this show. Okay, I, I I would have expected as much. So I think I went in thinking because I've watched plenty of cartoons and I've watched cartoons as a kid and I've watched cartoons as an adult and I I think I was thinking that this was going to skew a little more towards the adult end of the cartoon spectrum, even though you gave me warning that this does not air any time when our other adult cartoons are running. Um, and by adult cartoons, I mean like adult uh, cartoons for an adult audience, but not porn right. cartoons. Um, so that that threw me a little bit because it was definitely much more just absurdist humor than it was. I don't know what I was expecting. Right. So the first episode in particular, and really for, for quite a while, it's very, for lack of a better term, cartoony. Like I think it draws a lot from Looney Tunes early on. Yeah. I was actually getting more of like a Ren and Stimpy vibe. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. A lot of, Kind of, I came up with a term, and I'm not sure if this is uh, if this is used in the art world, but it was sort of, it's a very vascular uh, animation style, like very quick to like people freak out, and you can see the veins throbbing right. in their body. Yeah, and, and that is uh, definitely a Ren and Stimpy thing. That's and that's a Ren and Stimpy thing. Like a lot of when their face contorts and gets they get upset, it goes Ren and Stimpy real quick. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing that that. I noticed about the first episode when I went back and watched and and paid attention is it is really cartoony and it basically slips into a sitcom format almost immediately. Um, we've got the the a plot, the a story, of course, is is the zombies uh, coming to attack the castle, and then there's the B story, which is Finn and his royal promise, and of course Jake's attempts to get him to. Uh, to get right. to give it in, and so yeah. there. While there was obviously sort of uh, an adventure, uh, it was very much a sitcom, and but also just with lots of silly cartoon elements. So, um, if I had just shown you the first episode and you had no obligation to go on, what would your reaction have been? Mm, probably not. I probably wouldn't have gone on, and I. But here's what happened. So 
I decided I wasn't going to watch because I knew I had to watch two episodes. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to watch both episodes the same night. I, I split it up. And so I watched the one episode and kind of just let it wash over me. And I thought to myself, meh, that was weird. I did chuckle a couple times. There was a few times that like definitely like they got me with some jokes. Some of the writing style of like they kind of slip into like very like it, it, it's it's maybe the juxtaposition of sort of the princess's dialogue, which is sort of like overtly royal and regal kind of sounding. And then every once in a while, Finn or Jake just sounds really, really casual. Like, like he'll just be like, I can't even remember now. Sort of like, sup, bro? Like, yeah. he just, J- like Jake use, in particular talks like yeah. that almost all the time. Yeah. And so that, like, the, that made me chuckle. And I also spent the entire episode trying to figure out who the heck the voice of Jake the dog was. Finally figured it out. It's... Um, uh, now I can't think of his name, but the same the same voice actor that portrays Bender on Futurama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. It's I think his last name is like DiMaggio or something like. Yeah, that. John DiMaggio. If we're pronouncing, hopefully we're pronouncing his name right, but it looks like DiMaggio. Right. Um, yes, and uh, so I spent my entire time. I think I, what I did is I spent my entire time watching that episode trying to find a reference point for myself. I first, I kind of was like latching on, okay, this is Ren and Stimpy. No, it's not really Ren and Stimpy. Oh, that guy's from Futurama. Well, it's nothing like Futurama. Um, and then I knew you'd said Looney Tunes before, and I was like, this is, this would be a weird, a weird Looney Tunes. Like, it's, it's a little, I don't know how it's different from Looney Tunes, but it certainly was different, um, which I appreciated in some ways, because like, yeah, this is definitely a fresh, it was, it was like not a cartoon I had really ever seen before. And so I liked that. Um, but it was definitely so weird that I was kind of like, yeah, if I had just come across this on my own, I think I would have gone like too weird moving on. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I think that's a completely f- I so I didn't watch the first episode first. Like I said, I came in in I don't know, season 4, I think. Ooh, that's interesting. A I didn't long, know that at all. Ago. Yeah. So, um because I had never really been familiar with the show, and then I decided that I was interested in it, and so I would catch episodes on the DVR, but that was long after the show had started airing. So I just watched like everything that was on the DVR mm-hmm. in a completely like haphazard, disorganized way. No order whatsoever. And then only after we got Hulu did I realize that all of the episodes were available, and so I started watching from the beginning. And I've done that God. at least two times now. Okay. Well, it's interesting for me to hear, like, I also, like, the fact that you identified the sitcom format or the, the formulaic A-B plot formula, formula that they went into sounds to me like you're, the way you said that sounds like you're telling me in some way that, like, later that's not the format they use or it's that's somehow different from later episodes. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, this this is a, uh, this is very much, I think, a pilot. It was like, here is kind of what we can do. Mm-hmm. I've had some of the, like, when I say it's like Looney Tunes, I think in terms of like the gag humor, mm. uh, but then it also had some of its own unique humor. Um, you know, I think that Finn's catchphrases in this one are hilarious. He starts off with algebraic, and then when they tell him he has to do math, he says mathematical, but then Princess Bubblegum reminds him that he's bad at math. Uh, yes. And those are those are kind of Adventure Time staples okay Um, so they're starting they're laying the groundwork here right uh but i do think that it's that it's very much a pilot um and it's 
I think I would have to say it's the most cartoony, uh, you know, lack of subtext, lack of subtext episode of the show. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, let's talk about some of the characters instead. Of, I, I think what I want to I think I found myself trying to. Certainly wasn't identifying with any of the characters except maybe Jake the dog. Uh, he, I said earlier, you know, it's the same. It's the boy and his talking dog friend, which is like Peabody, uh, Mister Peabody and Sherman. Uh, but, but in this case, the dog is is under real only like they're friends, but he does not have the same overt need to make sure the boy ends up okay. Uh, for like their friends, it, it's it, it was, I guess what I was what I'm trying to say is the uh, Mr. Peabody was always always had Sherman's back and was always basically like correcting him and was more of like a teacher. And this is this dog Jake. He is definitely more of just like a yeah, I'm your bro and I'm gonna let you make mistakes and I'm gonna laugh at you when you do kind that, of friend. That's exactly right. They're definitely yeah. bros. Uh, yeah. I'll say that that the nature of that relationship changes and in fact it gets to where. Uh, it changes pretty quickly, and it gets to um, at least in relation the way that you talked about. Um, I don't know which one's Mister Peabody. I think he is the dog, and Sherman yeah. is, is the boy. The way that Mister Peabody watches over Sherman, yeah. uh, Jake does that more in later episodes, and we learn more about their relationship other than them just being bros, which is what we learn in this first episode. And I also yeah. think that. Uh, Jake was crammed in a closet for a reason in this episode because as much as it's adventure time with Finn and Jake, I think that the show was being sold as little boy has a crush on the princess, goes on adventure, saves the day. And by the way, we've got some good gags in there. Okay. Uh, So I think that Jake was pretty much inessential to the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I think it was... I think it was weird. I couldn't find, I couldn't find, I couldn't latch on in any way to things I knew. But I also knew that I had to watch another one, so I was, uh, I was, it's a little different than maybe the average viewer. <laughs> right. But, but I will say, I, I think I was starting to say I, I watched the two episodes on different nights, and the next day, after I'd watched episode one, uh, a couple things happened. One, I found myself whistling the theme song. Yeah, uh, the theme song so good. It's it's super catchy. And so actually, why don't we we can take a break here and tell me just what did you think of the entire intro? Oh, so the intro, uh, it is very disorienting because it it basically is a zoom through of what I assume to be sort of the entire universe that this show occupies, and you know, it's a lot of. absurd looking areas some with like crazy creatures and they zoom past things that you don't know what you're looking at and it's sort of in that way it's kind of looney tunes like when like when uh there's a there's a like a world like the world that the dodo exists in looney tunes there's like a or the yeah the dodo the crazy world that like he exists in where sort of everything it's like a salvador dolly kind of land of like anything can it be happening. Uh, that's what it reminded me of, but it was zooming through there on like with no intro song for a while. And then it gets to Finn and Jake 
on a mountaintop. Am I right? And then they start playing the song. Uh, yeah, we see their faces, uh, and then I think the first time that we see them in action is is Finn riding on Jake. Ah, yeah, and uh, and they play. The, there's this like ukulele based theme song that is super catchy and cute, and uh, and that part I really liked. The first like the zoom through, it's like what is going on, and I can't even focus on it. Like I. If I'm trying to remember any, I can't remember any specific points of it. It's a, uh, it's a blur to me. Right, and and it will remain a blur until you have gained the ability to recognize many of the characters that show up there. And it's it's sort of like The Simpsons or South yeah. Park, uh, yeah, where kind of the characters are all on display in the intro. Yeah. Um, although I will say that unlike. I don't remember. The Simpsons, I think, has changed, and I know that South Park changes all the time. Uh, this has remained constant throughout every episode that I've seen. Like they oh, don't same. adjust it for new characters and stuff. Okay, all right. That's both lazy and admirable. Yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, so the intro that was like I was hoping the intro would just really suck me in. It didn't. <laughs> it was weird, and then then the song like. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, this is a dumb song. And then the next day, I was totally whistling that song. Yeah, it's and, four and songs I... on the ukulele. And uh, when my mom got me a ukulele for Christmas, that was the only song I could play. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty catchy. And then, uh, and yeah, and then, they get, then they, like I said, they dropped you right into the action on this first episode. It was, there was no, you had no idea who, what was happening except for there was this noodle-armed boy and an equally noodly looking princess trying to revive corpses in a, in a cemetery. Gotcha. I, I yeah. completely understand that reaction. I think if we yeah. can sum it up, it's, it's basically why did Pat make me watch a cartoon? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, but then, you know, like, then I had to watch another. So, you know, let me, let me explain how my thoughts have evolved, but I will, uh, we can talk about that next. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about episode two. Okay. Uh, season one, episode two, which is called Trouble in Lumpy Space. And mm-hmm. so you had left episode one being like, this is a cartoon, and, mm-hmm. but you were whistling the theme song. And yep. so you sat back down at some yep. later date to watch yep. Trouble, the very next day. Trouble in Lumpy Space. What happened? All right. So Trouble in Lumpy Space. So I sat back down and we watched. So let's talk about what the what the plot was generally that I remember at least. And so, uh, the, the plot here revolves around the introduction of a new character that was not present in the first episode or if the, or if she was, I didn't notice. Um, the, the additional character is lumpy space princess. Yeah. LSP. Yeah. So lumpy space princess, for those who haven't seen her is just a purple cloud like with a frowny with a like a frowny face and a star right like a star kind of in like a gold star which i think just signifies that she's a princess yes um so and she has the voice of a man almost but like a very low sassy surly valley girl sound like uh just total just like just mm, just really unhappy all the time or at least 
surly all the time, maybe not unhappy necessarily. Uh, and so anyway, she is a cloud, a floating purple cloud that they are talking to. And now I can't remember why. So you'll have to fill me back in on that one. But what they happened was uh, Lumpy Space Princess ends up biting Jake on accident. And a bite similar to like a werewolf bite, a, ba- a bite from a lumpy person, a lumpy being, turns you into a lumpy being yourself. Slowly. And so slowly, right. First, you know, in a comical way, like your leg gets all bub- bubbly first, and then you have time to fix it. And so the plot of the whole episode turns into a um, a rescue plot, essentially, where the only way to save Jake from turning into a lumpy, surly teenage girl, kind of, is, is uh, to get him into lumpy space, which is essentially an alternate dimension where lumpy people live. And you have to get him to a antidote, which is unknown at the time what the antidote will be. But they, we're, we're told it exists. So we've got to get him. He, so Finn and Jake have to go to lumpy space with lumpy space princess. And then when they, and they get there via a wormhole portal that is essential, that is a, uh, what they get, they get like a frog. That's what it is. A frog and a toadstool. A frog and a toadstool. And LSD way it, has to holler yeah. the, the password at it. Yeah, there's a password. And what's the password? Because now. The password is uh, whatever. It's 2009. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the sort of like a. It's like a, like a Harry Potter. Uh, I can't remember the name in Harry Potter either, but they have these similar things where you touch something and it, it zaps you to another place. But the frog essentially sticks his tongue out, sticks his tongue to you and like sucks you into another dimension. And so they all get there and they say they say that they need to find the antidote. And Lumpy Space Princess, while surly, is seemingly on board with helping. Um, But there's a lot of obstacles in the way. Number one is that Lumpy Space is is that it's like space. uh, There's not a lot of land involved. So to get from place to place, you need a flying car. Um, and unfortunately lumpy space princess has been too surly to her parents and gets her car privileges revoked in a, uh, in a traditional, in a traditional teenage fashion. And so then she needs to call her friend, but the problem is that her friend is currently dating her ex-boyfriend and it just turns into like a, like a teenage girl drama, like right out of like, like a, a diary, essentially. <laughs> uh, like, oh man, like just all the drama involved with talking to the girl who's now dating your ex-boyfriend um, and asking her for a favor. But they need they, they, they need a favor. Finn is desperate to get Jake uh, saved, so he keeps prodding Lumpy Space Princess along and even to the point where he has to fake her voice on a phone call. But then he gets the car, they get to make out point where the <laughs> antidote exists, and they find the antidote. But the antidote is just like an orb that you have to sit on. And, uh, but and there's, a, there's some guardians of the orb, and the guardians happen to just be teenage boys, also lumpy, spe- lumpy people who like sitting on the orb. 
and looking smooth because if you sit on the orb, you become smooth. You're no longer lumpy. And then uh, what happens is they lose the orb somehow. Help me out. Remember, how do, we, how do they lose the orb? It goes... Well, the, the way that they... So the, the teenagers decide that they like Finn, and so they give him the orb. But right. then Lumpy Space Princess shows up and is extremely rude to them, which causes them to take it back. That's right. That's right. It's uh, just when you think everything's going to be fine, Lumpy Space Princess's surliness ruins things again. And then uh, then they're almost, then they're too late. Jake turns full lumpiness, which basically turns him also into a uh, surly teenage girl. With which, But, like, remember, they're lumpy, so they're all, like, just floating cloud-based people, essentially. Um, and then they all go to the it's not a prom it's, it's like it's, it's like the weekly prom coming <laughs> the weekly prom coming right it's exactly it's it's the exact same kind of stakes that again would be in a teenage drama that like you the the big climax is going to happen at the school dance except here apparently there's a school dance every week and it's and it's uh it's prom and homecoming rolled into one and it, that and, does not mean that it's not dramatic yeah <laughs> and uh they so Finn has to get to the weekly prom coming uh, with the orb. Because everyone Jake, else has driven there because Jake turned lumpy and decided he was going to go to prom coming. That's right. And so in order to get there, he's going to have to jump across a giant space chasm. But in order to jump, he can't make it on his own. He's going to have to be, uh, he's going to have to be partially lumpy to to do so because lumpy people are cloud-based and they can kind of float. So he forces the guardians of the orb, again, just lumpy teenage boys to bite him. He actually just forces his limbs into their mouths and they bite him several times, which speeds up the lumpy transformation process, which was exactly according to his calculations. Uh, And he gets lumpy enough that he has a little bit of lift to him. Kind of like in uh, Super Mario 2, where Princess can kind of float for a little bit when you jump. And so he can kind of jump across this chasm, and he crashes, crash lands into the dance. And then Jake is still lumpy, and he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be smooth anymore, because being lumpy, he's decided it's great. Um, So Finn is trying to convince Jake to do it. And then he starts turning full lumpy as well. And something happens, and it turns out that then they both end up on the orb. There was some sort of climactic moment that I'm completely forgetting now. But they end up both on the orb, and they both turn back to uh, their normal selves. And all is saved. All is saved. So you're you're not remembering how they ended up on the orb, I think actually uh, is interesting. It ties into what you identified, I think, and I certainly identified as, as the main theme of this show, which is uh, teenagers are terrible. And here's a uh, kind of a cliched portrayal of, you know, every teenage comedy with uh, you can't drive and your parents are terrible. And uh, there's a dance that you have to get to. Um, and you have to have a date, you know. There's just right. like all the social pressures of, of right. high school, essentially. And yeah. then, and then we we really see that 
all of the lumpy people, and for the most most part, the lumpy people that we meet are teenagers, and they all are terrible, uh, terrible people. Although we do meet LSP's parents um, who yell at her and ground her and take her car, but there's it, it's all of the lumpy people are not just obnoxious teenage girls, but they're also incredibly selfish, right. uh, which I think is an important kind of characteristic and also very true to uh, like a middle school age teenager. So the way that the episode ultimately ends is that Jake is, or Finn is trying to get Jake to sit on the orb when Jake is lumpy and he won't. And you said it was because he liked being lumpy, and I think that that was part of it, but it was also just because Finn was telling him to do it, and so doggone it, he was not going to do anything that someone told him to do. Sure, as as a teenager would. Yeah. Right, and so then Finn turns totally lumpy, and but sundown hasn't happened yet, and that's the main cutoff. If you, if you don't right. sit on the orb before sundown, then you're lumpy forever. So uh, it's not sundown yet, and so then w- once Finn turns lumpy, he decides that he's not going to let Jake sit on the orb. Uh, and so they end up squabbling over it because of this bizarre sort of selfish uh, reverse psychology. Yeah. And so Jake ends up sitting on it, and then he puts Finn on it, and all is well. Right. So yeah, I, I I think that you you did a good job of following what was what was a pretty tough plot. Although um, it's easier to follow once you put it into the context of kind of John Hughes or even worse than John Hughes teenage comedy. Yeah. So what I would say now is that this episode for. I can't figure out the main reason, but I liked this episode better than the first episode, and I it made me want to watch another one. So I was I my my I did almost a 180 on the show because of this episode. Maybe it's because I was able to uh, latch on to the theme that they were throwing at me. The like you said, the sort of the John Hughes every cliche teenage thing. Uh, and while that it's it's nothing like a John Hughes movie, it's definitely playing on the tropes and on the jokes that I'm aware of I'm aware of where they're pulling the comedy from. And so I I think I found myself liking this episode a lot. I really like the Lumpy Space Princess as a character. At first, uh, I couldn't like the the introduction was like, oh man, this she's gonna be another one that I don't like someone that I don't like because it was like all of a sudden she's a cloud and like really hard to understand at first. Like I couldn't yeah, figure so out why. The, the episode opens with uh, everyone performing the um, the marshmallow tea mallow tea ceremony, right? And so Princess Bubblegum, of course, being a you know being raised at court, can perform it perfectly. And you have to bounce up and down on a marshmallow and drink your tea. And right. Finn and Jake fall off the marshmallows. But then we learn that LSP is cheating because she's just floating, and that's because she's lumpy, right? And uh, and just the the voice alone just threw me. But then I then when you pick up what she's thrown down, I really liked the character of Lumpy Space Princess. I thought she was great. I think she uh, was predictable in all the right teenage ways, but just like provided the right kind of uh, just weird weird humor. That, so uh, he, that yeah. Here's a question for you, and it goes. And I I love LSP as well. After. LSP is so mean to the smooth guys that they take away the orb. Finn yells at her. He loses control. He's so upset that he 
he can't, he's not going to be able to save Jake, that he yells at LSP. LSP starts to cry. Did those tears read as authentic to you? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know enough about her to, like, you have more context, but I, yeah. I think they weren't intent on making Lumpy Space Princess completely awful. I think they were intent on make introducing you to what she's capable of and, like, what her general aura is, but I don't think they were intent on, like, making her uh, completely horrible in this one episode. So, yeah, they read as genuine to me. I agree. I agree. And I think it also goes back to being a teenager. You push the limit and then all of a sudden you, you pitch a fit and you're so sorry once you've crossed the line. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of things that that I want to... Uh, these are sort of deeper philosophical things that I noticed okay. on, on multiple okay. watchings. So there are these three or four teenage guys and they have the orb up on makeout point. And yep. as they're sitting on it, they're smooth. But as soon as they get off, they become lumpy, and their default state seems to be lumpy. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that lumpiness spreads somewhat like werewolfism or vampirism in that uh, LSP bites Jake, and so he's going to become lumpy. And so my question is, are those, all, are those guys all, have they all been bitten? And so they just like go up and sit on the orb to remember back in the good old days before they got bitten? Because they also kind of seem lumpy uh but then my second question is does lsp have a smooth form because lsp seems lumpy through and through she's the lumpy space princess and she has lumpy parents so yeah well I'm, I, I'm assuming she's a pure <laughs> she's a pure blood yeah that's exactly where i was gonna go i'm glad you referenced uh vampirism when you were trying to th- when you were thinking through this because like all uh, vampire aficionados know there are pure born vampires. Um, they're not, you can become a vampire through bite, of course, but that you can also become one because you were born a vampire. So I think there are pure born lumpy people. And in that case, they may have a smooth form, but they do not revert back to human form or whatever they were before. Like, like, uh, Finn and Jake did. Oh, so they may have like a uh, like a third form. Well, I guess LSP doesn't have; she wasn't bitten. So, okay, I see what you're saying. So there's some sort of form that if they sit on the orb, they may take. But they they approximate what it is. Yeah. So like the guy, the the teenage boys were sitting up there, and they were they still retained the personality of a lumpy person. They just seemed they just approximated the smoothness of a non-lumpy person. It was a purely external change. Gotcha. Where where the antidote for Finn and Jake reverts them to uh, their original form. Although the present the uh, the twist of I will okay, so now I'm thinking about it. The twist of the before sundown could could allow for uh, someone who is turned lumpy missed the deadline and is now permanently lumpy. Right. And so so then sitting on the orb for them ostensibly should do nothing or at least shouldn't revert them. It shouldn't cure them, but maybe it does just provide them with like a, an external change to look smoother. Right. So I'm imagining if Jake had become permanently lumpy and he decided that he wanted to, he could sit on the orb and he would look like the old Jake. But as soon as he stood up, he would be, 
back to being Lumpy Jake. Mm, okay. I imagine he would look all similar to old Jake, Jake Prime, but uh, he would have some different, like he'd be a different color and maybe a few other different features, but I don't think he would go fully back to to Jake Prime. He would be Jake, uh, you know, Beta, whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, my second question about lumpy people that I wonder after watching this episode is if you watch carefully, you'll notice that uh, Lumpy Space King and Queen, Lumpy uh, Princess's parents, share a body. Uh, yes. There's there's the big dad head who does a lot of the yelling, and then the mother does does the crying. And so I just can't help but think, is there like once a generation a conjoint a set of conjoined twins born, and they become king and queen? Or oh, how do- when you mate as a lumpy person, do you then join bodies with your mate? So Ooh. I'm just very confused by how uh, the king and queen are, how they share a body, and they manage also to have copulated and produced Lumpy Space Princess, presumably. Maybe there's some sort of asexual reproduction that we don't know about. Sure, yeah, that's interesting. Well, we, haven't, we don't get introduced to the entire universe of Lumpy people, so I don't think we can assume that they're electing their king and queen is totally based on genetic abnormalities but it's possible i'd really be i'd be willing to entertain it um the the thing i noticed about them is that they too have the star on them yes uh on both of their heads although you're right the two heads share the same body um and i wondered that i wondered if there was i wondered what the how that was passed down you know is that like a is that like a birthmark for the royal line and so there's only ever going to be is it all just one family that's always ever going to be uh, lumpy space royalty? Or is that star like a crown that could be passed to somebody else? Or that's, that was a question I had. I wasn't sure yeah, where, the will, star, I where the star came from. I think we'll learn particularly about LSP's star, and we'll certainly learn about crowns as the show goes on. Okay. Now, um, I want to transition towards for the end here into um, kind of how you changed between episodes, because I think that's the big story here, uh, is mm-hmm. that you thought Pat made me watch a cartoon, and then the second one you thought, okay, I want to watch more. One yeah. theory that I have is that you identified with the the teenage movie tropes, but also it actually had real, accurate teenage behavior. It was caricatured, but it it made every bit of sense to me. I remember trying to get a group of people to go to one place when you're a teenager. And if it's more than two people, it's going to take four hours. And so the struggle over the car and where they end up, uh, it rang very, very true as a teenage relationship to me. And so I think that it was a big step for the show to start depicting more realistic relationships. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was a, a big step forward and a, a definite reason why I, I liked this episode more. It was, as you say, a caricature, but it was grounded in in reality. It was Those were real emotions that they were playing upon and real scenarios that have happened uh, time and time again. And then they, they cartoonized them, but, they, uh, but they, kept, they kept the heart of it. And I think that that was exactly what happened. That's exactly what appealed to me that was not present in the first episode. Um, the first episode was all, um, based on absurd plot devices 
and this one also absurd, but uh, was based the jo- the humor was based more in uh, what was clearly a true understanding of of teenage behavior. Right. And so you also mentioned that you even before you watched the second episode, something had changed. Did, what what exactly was that? Um. Well, so I think it was just the realization that like a few of the things of the show were a little more catchy to me than I thought they had been at first viewing. I really walked I walked away from that first episode saying, yeah, I'm not sure if this show's for me. I really don't. Uh, I didn't really pick up on much. I maybe laughed a, a, a smiled or smirked a little bit, but nothing really stuck. But then the next day to have like the theme song stuck in my head and and a couple of the scenes kind of replaying a little bit. Um, that surprised me. I was, I surprised myself or, or whatever. My brain surprised myself with, uh, with what I had retained. And so I, you know, so that, that alone said to me like, okay, so something happened there where I was, uh, I, I, I etched some of that into my, my, my memory. Gotcha. And so that, so then that, that, that set me up for, I think what was a, uh, maybe a little more pleasant second viewing. Like I was, I was willing to give it a little more of a shot than I thought I was, but then, uh, but then the second episode did the heavy lifting in terms of uh, shifting my pr- perspective here. And so what do you, what do you think in going into three and four? So I don't, I still don't know. Like there's no pattern that's been established here at all uh, in terms of like what the show will be like. Um, I have a better sense of who the characters are, but still uh, the Finn and Jake are some of the most sort of spastic and uh, kind of crazy main characters that I've encountered in a, in a cartoon show. Like they're very Looney Tunes in that style. Um, so, or Ren and Stimpy style. So I don't know where they'll go next. I imagine the first season now is going to be the introduction of a lot of other characters to kind of broaden out this world. So I don't know if we're going to meet someone new or if I'm going to have another episode of princess bubblegum or lumpy space princess at this point. But, uh, I'm looking forward to it at this point. I'm looking forward to seeing what episodes uh, three and four will be. Awesome. Well, I will say in in Finn's defense, if you watch him carefully, most of the actions that he takes, you can you'll you'll understand his motivation eventually. Okay. I'll just say that cryptically. We'll, All right. Uh, we'll get ready to watch episodes three and four. Uh, overall, sounds like. We, we're on, we, 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 uh, you're not quitting. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm that. on the trolley. I'm riding. I'm, I'm, I'm on the trolley you're driving here. So right. I'm, I'll, 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 I'll be on, I'll be on board for the next two episodes. And, uh, yeah, we'll come back next time and, and talk about episodes three and four and see what else we can learn. All right. Well, this has been Podventure Time. I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. Whatever. It's 2009.